On this episode, I ruin Kelsey's life with the comedy stylings of Bo Burnham. It does not have to be a joke. It can just be like a real moment between people sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be a joke. Not everything has to be a joke. That's the whole point of make happy. It does not have to be a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get into character. Jason, it's about realness. You're right. No artifice in this episode. No. Hi, this is the podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Kelsey. Welcome to the realness episode. I mean, it got pretty real. We're gonna we're gonna be our realest selves ever. Uh, our realest selves thus far. Sorry, ever implies that we'll never be this real again, and clearly that's not true. I don't know if we're gonna be that real, actually. But <laughs> we'll try. We usually get pretty real. Yeah, we try. I'm always trying to get us realer, though. I'm trying to get that like in that Mark Maron zone Ooh. where things get real uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. My goal is is to make you walk out of the studio one day <laughs> in frustration. <laughs> Or to make myself walk out of the studio in frustration with my own hosting style. That would be pretty impressive. I don't know if I have the ability to make you walk out of the studio. Well, I, I mean, I... we should, with the caveat that our studio is my apartment. Yeah. So I really have nowhere to go. I mean, you say that like I have somewhere to go, but I live very <laughs> far away from here. That's New York, true. New York-wise. This is why... So it's it's maybe that's a good thing that we're sort of isolated out here and we can't leave even if we wanted to because it forces us to be real to to be real and to hunker down and really deal with our issues. So what are we talking about this week, Jason? I don't know. I forget. <laughs> um, we're talking about Bo Burnham, the comedian slash song stir. Songster. What's the male version of a songstress? Singer, I guess. You know, I don't know that there is a masculine version of that word. Which brings up some other things, but... Yeah, that, that, that sort of um, invites a whole different line of questioning. Hmm. But we'll stick to... We'll try to stay focused. Okay. Because we're talking about the um, YouTube celebrity come comedian. Uh, did I use that right? I think so. Yeah, that, that's how that Latin phrase is used, right? Sure. Yeah. Feels feels right. Feels right. Okay. Tom Bo Burnham. He was a, he was a YouTube personality in the early days of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is sort of done some acting work, but his primary thing has been stand up. And he still does musical comedy, but he now does it in a stand up, like one hour filmed in front of a live audience format. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard comedy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Jason. Um. So that's who that's who Bo Burnham is. Who we're talking about. Uh, Jason, how did you, since you ruined my life this week, how did you discover Bo Burnham? Well, let's let's take a trip, you and I, back to the the early days of YouTube. Okay. Because that's where the story begins for both Bo Burnham and for, um, I guess just for Bo Burnham, my my story begins before that. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I mean, Bo's story probably begins before that too. (laughs) Okay. Let's back up. (laughs) The internet is is a series of tubes that um i don't i was gonna I, I didn't want to go with that joke but i realized i don't know what the internet actually is uh, anyway so in 2005 youtube um was released youtube uh, happened youtube happened basically it happened. it's still happening in a lot yeah. of ways 
And about a year after that, um, in the first year, YouTube was, I mean, I don't know how many people here remember i'm pretty sure anyone listening will remember like what youtube was like back then yeah it was sort of like just the wild west like there was no organization to it really yeah and it's not the the organization was different like being there from like i think like 2006 to 2009 probably there was like this whole like you could get discovered on youtube like you could be popular on youtube and like people could discover you on YouTube from the front page of YouTube because the front page of YouTube was the same for everyone. And it was like trending videos or like... Kind of the way Reddit still is where it was just like if a thing was popular, it just sort of naturally rose to the the forefront. The more people that watched a thing in a certain amount of time, the more like the algorithm pushed it towards the front and then the more people would watch it because it'd be on the front page. And you could become popular that way. Now on YouTube, everyone's homepage is like customized through them because Google owns them and everyone has a Google account and we're all being watched. (laughs) (laughs) You make it sound so fun. Um, Yeah, because now YouTube is sort of its own branded. I mean, it was always a, a company, but now it's more organized as like a, I don't know what the right word is, like a... Well, people channel who, for entertainment. I guess people who are popular on YouTube, they YouTube and Say Today partner program. So mm. like, and I don't know when I probably should have researched this more, but I don't know when that started. But so YouTube partners, people who were like popular or becoming popular, could get asked by YouTube to partner with them, and that would um, increase like views and 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 stuff like that i don't really know how it worked but i think you got more ad revenue and a chance that more people would see your videos because they were being promoted by youtube in some way um and like it at the beginning it wasn't like you know has like there's so much sponsored content out there now yeah and i feel like when i was getting into youtube back in like 2007 2008 it wasn't that crazy like like a, like there would be sponsored content but like you would know that it was sponsored mm-hmm. and i feel like now it's kind of stealth yeah <laughs> um and well, like virality is just so manufactured now um in a way that it wasn't then as at the risk of sounding like uh <laughs> and like hipster and shit but there was just this moment of youtube where like weird shit was becoming popular because it had a central place where weird kids could find it. Yeah. And I think Bo emerged from that weird place. Right. So back in, you know, uh, Lord, over a decade ago, (laughs) when social media was a much different beast than it is now, things were, things hadn't really, you know, quite solidified yet. And YouTube was for that first year, maybe a couple of years, I guess, was just really a place where you could upload videos mm-hmm. and like it, it, that's really all it was. Yeah. And Bo Burnham uploaded a uh, he was a sixteen year old, possibly fifteen. I think he was sixteen when he did his first video. Well, and it wasn't like within an affordable possibility for a normal person to have like a super nice camera. No. Or like it was, you know, nothing was expected to be like this high quality that even like you know, your average vlogger or whatever now is expected to have. Like, production value on popular YouTube videos now is so high. Yeah. And, and you, it wasn't then. And you didn't have to have a uh, thumbnail that was a picture of your face making a 
terrible like death grimace <laughs> in front of a colorful background with a big sentence next to your head. <laughs> yeah. Because Bo Burnham's first video is a, is a song called My Whole Family dot dot dot. <laughs> um, to give away the joke, the joke is My Whole Family Thinks I'm Gay. And it's a little little comedy ditty played on his piano in his bedroom shot with could probably not tell you, a webcam. Probably a webcam. It probably. looks like yeah, it looks like... A, a 2006 webcam? Yeah, like when you switch your webcam from like live broadcast to just record, and th yeah. that's like the best you could do. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's shot like he's not mic'd or anything. He's just like in his room, so there's this awful echoey like sound, mm -hmm. and you can't really tell what his face looks like because yeah. it's so low quality. But it's um, it caught on. It has millions upon millions of views now. And then, like, you know, like YouTube was... I think it's nice he left it up. Yeah, I mean, a lot he, of people would take that down. I mean, it's it's it, but that's like that's like was his his thing. Yeah, that was it. That was his like entry into the world, and it just got so huge. Mm -hmm. And looking back on it now, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and get this out there now that um, a lot of Bo's early content, which is all still available on his YouTube page, is uh, what's the word? Well, juvenile is the right word because he was in fact a youth. Wait, so he doesn't have, he hasn't deleted any of his videos? I don't think so, Because no. he has very little content. That's that's another thing, but I think that's all the content he had. Because that's, like, that's huge. The fact that if that's all the content he ever had, like, and he still became the success, the commercial success that he is, not the, like, not that there's, because now YouTube is different and there's, like, ways to be yeah. YouTube successful without, like, having everyone know who you are. Um, there's... That's that's amazing because half of like social media popularity is just like content. Yeah. Just like being able to produce content on the on a regular basis, which I guess he didn't. <laughs> Not really. I mean, yeah, this was like you know, like we we're saying, social media was a much different place, and he was. You know, because he was YouTube famous, YouTube celebrity was not a thing at this point. So he was basically not just yet, no. inter internet famous. Yeah. Which was even less manufactured than you know, still to some degree, but like mm -hmm. still was like a much more organically occurring things so he was kind of just not famous but he was prominent based on like the, those few songs yeah there wasn't like this there wasn't the chance if you put something on the internet that it would make you internet famous like yeah, yeah. like it just had to be good which now that i'm talking about this makes a lot of the things he was saying on the podcast make a lot more sense yeah. <laughs> um but more on that later <laughs> <laughs> um like i said i came back around <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, and I think, I think that he emerged from that, like, into what he is now is really interesting, because I don't really know of anyone who was around back then, like, you gave me a playlist of things to watch, basically, and one of them is from... Highlights this, from his early career. Uh, one of them is from this uh, YouTube Live, which was in 2008, and was supposed to be a... Boy, remember that? <laughs> A, um, a reoccurring event that never reoccurred, <laughs> um, which I think is because like it was replaced by other things. Um, YouTube that... Live was a, was a big live like in person event with a bunch of YouTube people. Yeah, that happened in two thousand eight, and basically it feels like by the time two thousand nine rolled around, yeah. it would have been time to do another one. Yeah, the landscape was so different that that didn't make sense anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that's how fast things were changing at that point. Yeah. Um, and Bo Burnham was there and did a 
funny, song about a funny little song about YouTube, which is among his least offensive early efforts. <laughs> yeah. I say, I mean offensive uh, morally, not like aesthetically, because... It's probably pretty offensive. It's probably pretty offensive to the people who are in it, maybe. But, I mean, but I they're... No, it's not really. They're YouTube people, so... I mean, they're not even real, yeah. real humans. Uh, I don't mean that. I was trying to figure out when the first VidCon was, which is now the big, like, live event that YouTube people go to. And yeah. it's more of, like, a Comic-Con style. Yeah, it's not an officially organized, like, yeah. grand um, gala. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, a three-day, there's panels. It's and, a con. Yeah, it's a con. Yeah. Um, because, because you like, YouTube Celebrity Now is, like, a genre. Yeah. Whereas when YouTube Live happened, YouTube Celebrity was still, like, contained within just... The, the people that would have yeah. been YouTube celebrities then are mostly just memes now. Like, they've just become memes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is upsetting, well, in a Bo, way. Bo Burnham is also unique in that he became internet famous for uh, the quality of his work. Yeah. And most people who became internet famous on YouTube in the early days were basically... They did a funny video. They were basically jokes. Like, yeah. we laughed at them because they had something horrible happen to them yeah, or like just Charlie bit my finger yes. or you know that a, sort of thing a unique moment in their life was captured yeah. and put online in, in, a, in a novel way whereas Bo was a uh, had a um, this is going to sound unbearably pretentious but it's, it's the only way it, it, this is how my brain works I'm not trying to do this this is just what comes out he was working on a craft and he put his craft in a place where it could be seen by a lot of people and it was and people responded to it very strongly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, what I was uh, getting at earlier is that I gave Kelsey a series of videos to watch for perspective because his, his early stuff does not hold up well at all. It is aged very poorly because he was, as I alluded to a moment a moment ago, uh, he was like sixteen or seventeen years old. You know, he was a smart ass kid basically who like knew how to write funny songs, but had no sense of when a thing was okay or well no i mean he clearly had a sense of that but he was being purposefully offensive in his uh style like there's a lot there's a lot of um what we what we might call cards against humanity style humor <laughs> accurate <laughs> yeah um and what's maybe i may be jumping ahead a little bit here but one of the things that fascinates me about Bo Burn- burnham as a creative figure is that because we've basically been privy to his entire creative existence. I mean, I'm sure he had, you know, projects and things he did before he was 16, but we basically watched his entire development happen. Like we've had, we've had a direct view of it in real time. Yeah. So all like, and because like, because he was a, you know, YouTube celebrity, mm-hmm. um, and because of the, the immediacy that that sort of creates, we've, um, seen his process in a way you don't always see with like um, traditional entertainers where their early efforts will you know never be seen by anyone ever again whereas Bose are all still online for you to watch mm-hmm. and to sort of cringe at the very very um, uncouth things he says yeah, I was just I was looking at the lineup for YouTube live and I'm trying to figure out if anybody <laughs> are we still on this well I'm trying to figure out if anybody who was YouTube popular at that time to be at this is still succeeding in their craft in the same way or in a different way, necessarily. Um, Are they? Well, Julia Nunes was there. Who is I, that? She's the ukulele player that Andrew loves. 
Andrew Favreau, a friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Oh, that doesn't she, do it. That she plays that song from the ukulele. She she has a, a music career that I I don't think she's Bo Burnham popular, but like she has a, a functional music huh. career. Has anyone ever done a podcast about her? Hmm? Maybe Andrew mm-hmm. will. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um Oh, don't give him any ideas. Oh no. Oh no. But like I mean, and there's some people on here who are still creating stuff on YouTube within the the way that YouTube has changed, but a lot of them, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> um, and a lot of people that are, like, still popular weren't popular then, so. I mean, there's a very funny thing, and you can see this in, in, the, in, the, in the video of Bo's section of YouTube Live. Uh, the, the event was hosted by Katy Perry. I was so uncomfortable. So in the beginning of, of Bo's video, he, she is sort of lounging on top of his piano like an old-timey like <laughs> 1930s gangster mall and it, it's so fascinating to think that there was a time when Katy perry and bo burnham could be in the same like <laughs> physical space like that um because i mean among things that have changed since 2008 Katy perry is is not the same she was as, as she was back then she was i think still sort of a kind of a novelty hit at that point yeah probably. Like, like that was like this was 2008 right yeah that this would have been a few months after i kissed a girl came out yeah so she was, yeah, basically just a, a goofy, you know, one-hit wonder at this point. Yeah, and I, I, I think that, like, because he emerged at this specific time, like, what he's talking about now, it's probably very different than if he had maybe done a more traditional, like, comedy route. Because I think he's he's almost like the last of this this, this group, like... Because there are people who are doing comedy on YouTube and who are doing comedy on YouTube after Bo Burnham was doing comedy, but they're either still doing comedy on YouTube or, like, in an, an internet form and successful and doing well, or they've left that entirely, like he has. But I think a lot of those people aren't weren't trying to have a stand-up special. Yeah. Like, that wasn't the comedy route they were going for. I don't, I don't know. But. I think I think part of it is there. There's a, um, a mode we can now recognize of uh, maybe not fame, but like there's a certain type of performance that is a YouTube style, mm-hmm. and people can do that and do it well and be successful like on those terms and and like through use of like those tropes and w- within those parameters. Mm-hmm. Or is Bo because because of where he like when he came onto the scene? It's and a when. Of, I think it's a when. When yeah, I don't know why I said where. Mm-hmm. His work was never within that 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 style. It was always just a. It was just musical comedy that happened to be captured and put on YouTube. So he's not really a YouTube celebrity in any sense of the way we know that today. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of like, not only in terms of like he's you know he has a Netflix stand-up special which you know most YouTube people don't have. Uh, just in terms of like his his goals were never to do that. He just happened to get famous through YouTube. It was more of a... I'm, I'm trying to pin this down. It was a platform, not a medium. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That's, ex- oh, that's exactly what I was trying to get at. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like there's a YouTube YouTube as a medium for creation now in, in which you use certain things um, that didn't exist then. Whereas like it was just like, I want to get this out in the world. Here's a video. <laughs> you know? Um but anyway, I think we're spending a lot of time on this, and well, I'm interested in it because it's yeah. his place in in culture and sort of his um, a lot of his I think material is is sort of 
de- dependent on the fact that he uh, entered the 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 the, um, the comedy scene. Yeah. Stepped onto the the world stage through this way, yeah. and also you know more about YouTube than I do, so I'm sort of learning a lot right now, and also <laughs> leaning on you to to, to direct the discussion. And it's funny, at this point. I don't. I'm not like as on it as I used to be. Like in college, I was like. I had a, a, a number of creators that I watched like every day or every week or whatever. And I now I just like go to my front page. I'm like, that looks interesting. I'll watch this video from this person who I haven't watched in two months, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and you even you even um, had your own um, YouTube <laughs> video blog style series, didn't you? Oh, bring this up now? Yeah. Do you want to pitch that? Do you want to give a little like... I mean, that was just what Stephanie and I did during our study abroad. Oh, Stephanie Walker, friend of the podcast. Stephanie Walker, friend of the podcast, former guest. Yeah, no, and like we did, we did a a weekly video blog when we were both studying abroad. That it, was a time that I did that. I really don't want to talk about it. It did not. <laughs> I, I can't tell. <laughs> it did not. Um, it's fair to say, set the world ablaze. Oh no! The way say the vlog brothers did. Well, and I never meant for it to. Like that's the thing. Is like I was in a place where I enjoyed editing videos. Like, I liked doing that. And I wasn't good at it, but it was fun. <laughs> what if, um, just hypothetically here as a thought exercise, oh God. what if you had gotten famous, like YouTube famous <laughs> based on your trip to the Czech Republic? Yeah. With Stephanie. Yeah, well, Stephanie was in Italy. We were in different places. I haven't finished the first season. <laughs> That's the only season. Spoilers. <laughs> um... And I go visit her in Italy, and I'm super delirious. Oh, no, 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 stop, 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 no, 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 but would I have gotten, like, one-hit wonder YouTube famous? Or, like, would I still be creating content on YouTube? I see it as, like, your launching pad for being a content creator. On YouTube. Okay. It's not It's not like a viral moment. It's just sort of a I character like that, that we, people grow attached to. I like to think that we would have still got here eventually. I know you like to, but it's probably not true. Mm. You'd be way too famous to be on this podcast. But what if I want to start a podcast? And what if, like, I met Sarah somehow? Because I think I could meet Sarah somehow still in that life and you're gonna start a podcast with some like nobody who's never been on youtube maybe my one brush with uh youtube fame and i probably should not tell the story and i'll um, know based on your reaction whether or not it should be kept in the episode or not (laughs) is when um jason no okay no (laughs) (laughs) you are a terrible teenager (laughs) That's, that's, wow. Was that college? Was that app years? App years don't count. <laughs> that was app years. They don't count. That, that that doesn't count. We've established that those don't count. Okay. That never happened. Okay, so I'll cut this, but it was worth it to see your reaction. Oh, I thought it was gonna be funny, and then it was gross. Nope, it took a turn. <laughs> We've all been problematic. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, but he's like, I think you're right about him. Like, he's a kid. Yeah, he's he's literally he's literally sixteen years old when he makes that first and video. And I don't want to like excuse that, but like, I think there's something to be said for people who like acknowledge that they did a wrong thing at some point and then try to fix it and don't just like erase the thing they did wrong. Right. It would be. I mean, we wouldn't be talking about Bo Burnham right now if he had like sort of kept up with that style of comedy and like just sort of doubled down on like being offensive is funny. Morality doesn't exist. Ha ha ha. And I think there's still in some of his later stuff, there's still like sometimes when I'm like, 
like, but he's doing it in a way that's like he's trying to draw attention to the thing that's wrong. Right. And saying, look at this thing. It's wrong. <laughs> I, I feel like, and this is a good sort of uh, segue to talking about what else I showed you, which is I sort of, as part of your homework, I gave you um, basically his, his three main filmed like personal stand-up specials he had a half hour on comedy central before all this but i don't i don't know where that is honestly I, i've never ever watched it so i can't vouch for it but he had words 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 in 2010 when he was you know 19 years old he had an hour-long special on comedy central when he was 19 years old Gross. and there is yeah some problematic stuff on there yeah uh, and I, yeah we, 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 i wrote you, you here know, he needs to st- get past using gay as a word that doesn't just mean some somebody who likes the same sex yeah <laughs> it, it um like you said, we don't ever want to excuse this stuff, but I think context yeah. is important. Because, like, again, he was 19. Yeah. It's really hard to watch because he makes some great, poignant, funny, non-problematic jokes, and he follows them up with really not okay shit. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. And sort of, like, through that into uh, words... Sorry, words, words, words is the first one. Then three years later, he has what? What? And that's... And then and then um, three years after that, he has make happy. Is it three years? Make happy's from last year. 2016, right? Yeah. So Which I guess is a comedy special. <laughs> it is it is technically a comedy special. And through those um specials you can sort of see that mm-hmm. it never fully goes away and is always like mm-hmm. even in, in Make Happy the most recent one, which I am sort I, of I if, think effusive in my in my praise for, is I think Kill Yourself is a little bit of a problematic song. Yes. <laughs> but, and that's from the most recent But one. you can sort of see those 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 strains of um <laughs> offensive humor draining away yeah and like you, you and you see him sort of and, and, and like i'm saying the way you wouldn't in a more like traditional comedian who like wouldn't have a special until they were maybe mid to late yeah. 20s it's really interesting because we've gotten to see him like become the comedian that most people would be our first to like what he's doing now is he's the, at the age that we would first see a lot of these people yes and but he's been on doing it for ten years, like. And what's and what's and it's, and what's fascinating is you wouldn't get his career or his material now without those ten years, right? Because part of what you you first see this in words, 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 you sort of identify that he sort of looks uncomfortable, like yeah. legitimately, like not. Like there's moments where he genuinely looks uncomfortable because, like, part of his act is to be uncomfortable at sometimes, but you can tell when it's fake and when it's real. Yeah. There's a sort of like. Like, um, playful awkwardness, even in his early YouTube videos. Yeah. But you can see him, like, on stage, like, in front of people doing his act in words, words, words. There is, like, some serious, like, legit, like, he looks, like, uncomfortable in some points. And that discomfort sort of, like, becomes a, sort of his, like, major theme to the point where it sort of is very present in especially in the opening moments of of war of um what What? and then make happy sort of it becomes like the running theme of the entire show is like his discomfort with being a performer and like what that means for him and like for society where it is now that's that's very vague to the point of like unbearable pretension but do you think that this resonates with you because you feel like you've grown in a similar way um, possibly. I sort of, I rewatched, um, Make Happy last night, which was probably a mistake, honestly. I mean, my notes at the end of when I finished Make Happy were like, 
fuck, Jason, why are you making me watch this? I'll be over there in the fetal position. <laughs> and yeah. then this is a sad man. <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, like, as you pointed out, like, a lot of his humor going into um, what and make happy sort of is sort of a cry for help disguised as comedy. He says, I've lived a privileged life, and I got lucky, and I'm unhappy. And, like, I don't know that a phrase has ever, like, resonated with me so much like his acknowledgments like i got really lucky and i've lived this great life because like he's you know upper middle class dude like he's lived a good life and he's like there's something so like there was something so profound when he said that i was like shit like and that's like that's not even part of his big climactic speech that's no. just sort of like a tossed off like one liner he says in the middle of a different routine. but it was it was just like for me it was just like eye-opening because yeah. i get it and it, it speaks to a, like a theme that I sort of really am drawn to a lot in in, in in any sort of work, which is the idea that, like you can you can get to whatever level you want to, but your unhappiness is going to follow you there. Like yeah. that doesn't go away because you achieve something or reach a certain milestone in your, in your life. Like the things that are making you unhappy are going to be there unless until you deal with them directly. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why. Um, because make uh, make happy is sort of very much about his discomfort with, especially towards the end. It sort of takes over the entire show in a, in a most spectacular fashion. <laughs> uh, it's sort of about his discomfort with making his living and sort of getting his, you know, like his life's work is basically entertaining people and like his sort of the disconnect between, like, if there's any sort of like joyous impulse behind that and like the actual business of making it happen. Mm-hmm. And I think. I mean, I'm obviously not a um, entertainer of any sort of like successful stature, but I do sort of like, and this might not be interesting to anyone, but me and my therapist, but, but sort of my currency in social situations is laughter and comedy. But it makes you feel good when people appreciate that, right? Yeah, but but that's like the question of, and this is. Um, I think he. I think Bo is trying to draw a line between his own personal discomfort with his life and the way social media, and maybe more broadly, just being in the world, makes us all have to perform in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so, like the discomfort is like, it's hard to really identify exactly what it is, but there's there's an uneasiness with like performance. Because to me, like. The one thing that kind of irked me a little bit about Make Happy and, and the the podcast, because you also put as an optional thing, but I did it. As extra credit, I put on an episode of uh, Pete Holmes' You Made It Weird, the Bo Burnham, Bo, Bo, Bo's third episode. Yeah. Uh, it's like a four-hour conversation between Bo and Pete. And um, and it was like it was good, and it made me under like think about a lot of things, and but I also got very frustrated. <laughs> um. <laughs> um I didn't really feel like he gets any joy out of making people laugh. And that was something that surprised me. Like, I think it's hard for me to understand because it doesn't even seem like he gets joy out of what he's chosen to do. And if and he seems to want to live a life where he can do a thing that he gets joy out of. And I don't know what that thing is. Like, is it just... Playing the piano in his bedroom, is that when he was happiest? Like, is that a thing that gave him joy? And he, he just doesn't seem to be... Like, even when he ends the show, like... I don't know, he just doesn't seem, like... 
It doesn't seem like making people laugh is what he wants. And you can sort of see that, like, not only in his songs about it, mm -hmm. like, like the last song in Make Happy is performed in, like, an empty room, like, to the camera. It is explicitly about this. But even, like, his, like, he sort of almost uh, reflexively or unconsciously deconstructs his own show as it's going on in the way that, like, sort of really the first time I saw it sort of like slowly like it creeps under your skin the way he sort of like will not let a single trope of a stand-up comedy show pass by without in a very like offhanded way analyzing it and sort of breaking it down and like calling your attention to how artificial this whole thing is yeah. like like there's there's points in like in his specials where he says that he makes a joke and as people are laughing he looks like upset and like disgusted at himself for making this this joke there's a moment in um what where i'm like okay but honestly i'm i'm worried about him like i i what he's doing because like he in make happy he openly acknowledges that like he might be depressed <laughs> like i think there's an acknowledgement of like shit's going on yeah but in what there's not really that acknowledgement and there's these moments where it's like you can tell he's covering for some sort of like anxiety or depression or something with comedy and but it's just so I've seen people do it and I've done it and I've seen you do it and I've you know like you can tell and I'm like I'm worried about him <laughs> like I'm I'm genuinely worried for him and I really hope he's getting help like and it's such a weird comedic experience because like I watched words 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 which is the first hour which, like, I, you know, it, there are some problems, like, there's a little, there's some problematic shit, but, like, it's, I think, at its root, more funny than anything else. Like, it's, it's, the goal seems more to make people laugh, whereas, like, the goal of make happy seems to make people think, <laughs> or to make people sad, <laughs> <laughs> and not happy. <laughs> hmm. oh. um, but, like, I... I enjoyed a lot of his, like, critique on traditional stand-up in Words, Words, Words. But he also, like, he does his style of of delivery in Words, Words, Words is a lot like um, Jimmy Carr, who just does, like, short jokes. Like, there's no setup. There's, there's not, like, this long story with multiple punchlines, which I feel like a lot of comedians do. It's just, like, da -da -da -da, joke. <laughs> and then another joke. Um, and the song or whatever. <laughs> but, um... Uh, which I, I enjoy. I think it's funny. Um, but, uh, there's still, like, even, even in that, you're like, he looks genuinely uncomfortable sometimes. And then, and then in, um, in what he's like, there's definitely this, this, these moments where I'm like, I am worried for you. <laughs> which in some ways is, is good because he seems like a real person. Like he is performing, but he's not performing. I don't know. I feel like we're we're kind of going on and on and on, and it, I want to get back on the interview track. <laughs> it's funny that I listed what as an optional thing for you to watch because I feel like it's, um, because when I first saw it in like twenty thirteen or whatever, it, it like, I mean, I yeah, I hadn't heard from Bo in like a couple of years because like when he's not doing a project, he's sort of very quiet about what he's working on, mm -hmm. which I respect tremendously. <laughs> um, but he's sort of I and sort of it blew my mind a lot because I was like this this is nuts and like the content like the juxtaposition of like um like what you're what you're describing basically like the fact that it's like it's, it's sort of 
intense anxiety and depression like underneath a thin veneer of comedy mm-hmm. was so like crazy to me yeah. but now when i watch um make happy i feel like w- what is more like a sort of a blueprint for for make happy yeah. like he's sort of like make happy is is like the the actual product and the the um what it was like a rough draft for basically yeah. but but sort of the fact that it's like the unhappiness is unacknowledged and in what makes there's more tension there and it makes it like a different experience like it's in a way as explicit as make happy gets about depression and like anxiety and just like existential dread um it (laughs) seeing in in what where all this stuff is is happening clearly like Mm -hmm. behind his eyes but it's going on unacknowledged yeah makes it in a way more upsetting to watch I, i agree with that yeah um I think, and there was um, the the song from God's perspective, is in what, and like I found that song so like genuine, and like sincere, and it was like, it felt so real, and nice, <laughs> that it was like kind of off putting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we didn't even mention that in, in his first hour long stand-up special he has the song art is dead which is explicitly <laughs> about like choosing to be an artist and like spend money on this and instead of like you know devoting your life to doing like good things for mm-hmm. less fortunate people is inherently a selfish act yeah and that way like, he was like he was 19 when he said that like, <laughs> at 19 years old he like decided that his chosen profession like the one thing he really like does for yeah. his living was like at best selfish and at worst like actively like sociopathic detrimental and detrimental yeah <laughs> and that's and it's like a it's not i mean it's not really funny <laughs> that, that, that no. song but it's like that's been there since the get-go basically yeah and i think that's what worries me the most is that he doesn't seem to get any joy out of his yeah. life's work yeah which like it's something I personally would like from somebody who's chosen to go into entertainment. Like, like as 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 I can see, some people would see that as like selfish, or they need like entertainers need validation from. It's like, but like, that's how it works. Like, I think everyone needs validation. Everyone needs validation, yeah. and like, if you're in the entertainment business, like, I think you should like it, right? <laughs> Ideally, I it, and the entertainment business feels like a weird. A weird job for someone to be like, oh my god, I hate my job. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's sort of, um, it's nice how it's very honest though, because like lots of people in their jobs don't like their jobs, uh-huh. and I like Bo even says like he has sort of a riff in, I think it's Make Happy where he says like you know I don't love my fans like this is a service industry I'm in like I'm just overpaid like if I stop making you laugh. Please abandon me. Do not do not stick by me. <laughs> that was good. So yeah, he sees it as a job, yeah. which makes sense. That it's like the only job he's ever had. So yeah. it's all the pers- and maybe that's, perspective he has. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe because he's it's the only job he's ever had, that is makes it easier for him to see it as a job. Um whereas like I don't love my job now, but I like it. But I've also like waited tables and cleaned bathrooms, so like it looks pretty good in comparison. Yeah, but I guess like imagine if you were waiting tables and cleaning bathrooms, but like everyone got to see like part of your job of waiting tables and cleaning bathrooms was telling everyone what that was like. <laughs> like like you had to stand up in front of the whole restaurant, like 
I have to clean the bathroom here. And you had to describe the Ugh. actual act of cleaning the bathrooms. Yeah, I guess I can see how that would be really terrible. I don't know if that's fair, because obviously, like, I mean, creative work is still work, obviously. Yeah. But it's kind of unfair to compare that to, like, hard manual labor. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, like, no, if, I, I understand what you're saying. If um, that's your whole existence, you might have, like, a complicated relationship with being a public, like, yeah. joke maker. Yeah, I can I can see that. That's 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 totally true. Um, and in terms of like, I just wanted to comment on those because you mentioned it and I sort of think about this a lot. The idea of like, when you say you watch what and you were worried about him, like I feel the same way. Yeah. And especially in like, in Make Happy, like, it's, like it's, I mean, it sort of invites it's you to, explicit to do that and make happy. happy. But it, I get the same feeling I do when I read David Foster Wallace's short fiction. And now this, this is my hat trick of pretentious things in this podcast. After that. <laughs> This is like the the culmination of that. What? Wait, wait. We had Dave Foster Wallace. What was the second? Pretentious just the other thing? the other two were just like things I said that were pretentious. Oh, okay. This is like comparing a comedian to David Foster Wallace. Are we just checking off the straight white male boxes right now? Yeah. <laughs> In the bow and and DFW are both straight white men. Yeah. Yeah. Um and which bow has a song about and it's good and you should listen to it. It's very, it's, it's, it's very good. It's very it's very woke. Can we still say woke? Can I say woke yet? I don't know. Or is me saying, is it already past time when I can say woke? It might, it might be past time. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say it. Let's not. Okay. <laughs> Let's just err on the side of no. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's informed and it's, it takes a second because you're like, wait, is this bad? And then you're like, no, it's not bad. It's good. <laughs> but like when I read DFW's, uh, his, 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 um, his nonfiction is very, it's not always like light and bubbly, but it's like oddly life affirming sometimes. Like it's sort of more joyous and like funny. There's like humor to it. Whereas his his short his fiction, his short fiction and I guess his long form fiction as well, can be very like you see that same it's a he's a he had a he had a very sharp, like analytical and self critical mind. Yeah. And and seeing that like at work in his fiction, like oftentimes like leaves me feeling very unsettled about myself and people and like sort of makes me question like every aspect of human interaction. Cause you can see sort of like through his short fiction that he found himself. I mean, I'm, I'm probably projecting here, but this is not my perspective. He sort of found himself unable to not see the negative implications of every human interaction that could exist and that's sort of like i mean he like he suffered from very severe depression and eventually killed himself um and so like i it's not quite that that level but i see that same sort of like reflexive disgust with your own being in bo burnham's stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. which makes which is both thrilling because you know i think bo both bo burnham and, and david foster wallace were are were in our like spectacular talents and were very entertaining. Well, I mean, um, Bo Bo cites him in uh, "You Made It Weird" as like an influence. Oh yeah, he he like he name drops him like once, and I was like, oh, like I like lit up and that <laughs> happened because like because I was like like my 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 connections are coming to life in front of me. Um, but <laughs> so, but seeing that in him like is 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 disquieting because like everything you, like every negative sort of mental vibe you get from and you don't want him to meet the same end yeah every every vibe you get from david foster wallace is informed by the fact that oh he, he killed himself because he was like severely depressed 
And so as everything is sort of filtered through that lens, and so getting that vibe from a still living and a working person is disquieting. Yeah. And it sort of makes me uncomfortable to, I mean, I, I wanted to say that because it's very like true to my experience of like watching Bo's comedy, but it's also like, it makes me uncomfortable to, to enjoy comedy that gives me that, that same, that, that feeling like, you know, like maybe, um, if you feel like you see warning signs of very serious depression in, in a entertainer, you shouldn't find them entertaining. Yeah, that was like that was how I felt. I was like, yeah, I it was really hard for me to find a lot of make happy funny, because I was so like, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, I guess like I want to know. I feel like we've hit on why why you like this, why it resonates with you. Yeah, you maybe know. not in a satisfactory way, but we sort of touched on it a little bit. <laughs> we talked around it. Um, Again, I don't know if there there is a satisfactory answer that wouldn't involve an actual like. 45 minute therapy session does the way that you does the way that he resonates with you did it change from from then to now in the same way that he has um the same way his material has oh certainly yeah i mean you know early on i just thought like a song about i thought his like music was funny and like it had like you know like one thing that's the sort of constant between then and now is his love of sort of wordplay mm-hmm and you can, you can like he he mentions a lot a lot like especially he likes hip hop music. Mm-hmm. You can sort of see that love of like wordplay and rhyme and that sort of stuff in yeah. his work all the way through. Even in the early days when like you can go back and look at his like some of his most like well like galling like. I mean, Bo Bo for show is like a giant pun. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, like he's like he he did like rap songs from an early time and like yeah. the joy of that was just seeing him, him sort of play with language in, in a very fun way and that still holds up like that's that that element of it even i mean the songs i gave you are like among the, the less offensive ones <laughs> like, i mean he has he has a whole song about helen keller and that's like textbook like like i said like um cards against humanity humor and that, that that's not how, funny how offensive can we get yeah exactly yeah. like what's what's something that's offensive and i can make a joke yeah. about it um so that's sort of and then and now it's yeah the the love is one was like this is not oh wait no this is real yeah. bad <laughs> yeah. and and whereas now it's more about like i mean i still find his songs funny like he has a song in to talk about comedy for the first time in maybe 20 minutes he has a, he has a very funny song in make happy about country music where he sort of Oh, that was funny. Yeah, sort of like <laughs> I, like analyzing the the tropes of a country song, and, and yeah. like or, or like, of a, like a pop country song. Yeah, and that that's still that's funny. Like mm-hmm. that's just a very funny song. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has songs about just like that work that function the same way that a, a, a spoken stand-up routine would. Yeah, like lower your expectations is sort of about like the ridiculous things people people bring to relationships, yeah. like when they're looking for a partner. Yeah, and that's like that's the sort of a subject you would cover in a stand-up routine but in a song yeah and that level that and allows him to be more creative with language yeah on that level i still enjoy him in the same way mm-hmm. but just sort of like around that there's sort of this this i guess pathos is the right word for it that has developed mm-hmm. around his his act and the emotional reality of it and then sort of the questions he has about his own chosen career versus my like you know you again. It was me that you time. You again. Uh, my sort of question. Sorry, Jason about what gave me mean. shit about hitting the table last week. I didn't give you shit. I was telling you not to do it. 
It was, was not game, shit. There was, it, little, there was a little bit of shit given. Was it shit? Was it a little bit of shit? There's a little how, bit of how shit. How much shit would you say there was? Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit? Anyway, go on. Did you have any preconceived notions, Kelsey, about Bo Burnham before we started doing this, Kelsey? <laughs> yes, Jason. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I mean, like, I'd heard his name and, like, sort of been vaguely aware of what he did because I was on YouTube <laughs> in in a in a time when he was popular. Um and uh someone had shown me his new math video, the song New Math. Um and so I I don't remember who, but just like, oh this is funny, you should watch it. Um and then he's also he has a cameo in a Watsky video, <laughs> which is like how I knew what he looked like. <laughs> and I was like, oh that guy, okay. And I couldn't figure out why he was in this video because he doesn't do anything in it. Like he's he's acting, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's the, those what I, those were. It's it's whoa 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 the the whoa, video he's in right. Whoa, whoa yeah, we did not talk about Zach Stone is going to be famous at all. Oh my god, no, we didn't. <laughs> it's the show. So in 2013, Bo Burnham had a show on MTV called Zach Stone is going to be famous, which you might if you are say. Your name is Jason Edwards. You might think, looking back at like Bo's fascination with like social media and like what it like the way it affects brain chemistry and sort of like the effect it's having on on us as a society. You might think that it was be an incisive, like very dark, biting commentary on that. Nope. But what you, what you as Jason Edwards do not remember is that you are stupid, and so you forget that Jason, things 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 happen in chronological order. So Bo was. 22 years old when he made this show and very much not in that zone yet. So, Zach Stone is going to be famous was after Words, 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 his first stand-up special, and before what? It was 2013. Right, okay. So it would have been a few months before what came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and like it's... I mean, I, I think there's a... it's a, it, it had a 12-episode first season, was not renewed. And I kind of see why. Like, as much as I love Bo, it's, it's a... It's an okay show. It's flawed. I think there's a very good show in there. There's there's definitely a good show in there. Yeah. And it I think it would have done really well with like the six episode Netflix or Hulu or like some sort of oh. online platform treatment. Like like Chewing Gum. Have you been watching that? I haven't watched any of that you yet. You should watch it. It's good. I hear it's, it's good. It's like six episodes and it's got a, a similar like, it's not like a reality show, but she she like talks to the Kelsey, camera. Kelsey, remember this when we're doing recommendations later. Remember, I should, remember I should, okay. I should remember that she like talks to the camera. Um, it's funny, uh, <laughs> and um, and but it's like six episodes, six thirty-minute episodes a season, which I like super appreciate as someone who watches things <laughs> in like three-hour blocks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like over. It's great. Um, I think there was there. It would have done really well two or three years later in that sort of format, or I- it would have been like a YouTube Red like. If he wanted to work with you too, I can sort of picture it very clearly as like a, like like you said, like a British style comedy mm-hmm. that, that goes for six episodes. Now that's the whole season. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it, it's like I, I can picture that so clearly. It's hard for me to believe that it wasn't just a remake of a British show that they stretched out to twice. That's the what it feels like. It feels like a like a high like like a suburban high school version of Peep Show. It feels to me like a suburban high school version of The Office. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. In the way I that mean, the, the first episode is, is much more in the mode of what I thought the show was going to be, where it's like a satire on like like the youthful American idea of like, I'm going to be famous for no real reason, but right. I, just, I just need to be famous. Yeah. 
Or is it sort of after that, sort of in the same... Um, I mean, I don't want to draw too many parallels with The Office here because I'm mm-hmm. not gonna. That's not gonna play out the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of the romantic relationship at the heart of uh, the yeah. Zack Stone show sort of takes prominence as the, as the season goes on. Yeah. The way that was disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the end, like the way it wraps up is very good and sort of like. Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except for the that the, must have been frustrating. The randomly the two episodes that were not on MTV.com, like episodes. Four and five are not available to watch, which is very weird. MTV, what are you doing? MTV, come on. Uh, but, like, and so, like, so the fact that the arc itself works, but the length of the show makes it feel weird. Yeah. Seems like it, it would have been so much better as, like, a six-episode thing. Yeah, like, half half of what it was. Yeah. And also, maybe the, because uh, the episodes are, like, less than 20 minutes long each because mm-hmm. of, I don't know what MTV was doing in 2013, but, like, it's a half-hour show, and, like, it's 20 minutes long with, <laughs> with credits. Um, I think, like, it yeah it would have been better shorter like there was i mtv.com is is weird and i didn't get to watch i was able to watch like one full episode before my computer was just like no um this is not like the uh dfw episode where i'm going to judge you for not finishing it right this is, this I, I is listened to the three and a half hours of right. talking to pete holmes this is, this like is, i did my homework the mtv.com web player is very like shoddy <laughs> um, and, and breaks all the time for no reason but it felt like um from what i did watch because i was able to watch like the beginning of the four episodes you told me <laughs> to watch um it felt like there was too much focus on the episodic plot and not enough focus on the arcing plot and that would they would have been able to do like funny gags per episode in a shorter thing but not like have to build an a story yeah basically. in each episode yeah and i think had it been like pitched a year ago they would have been like yeah six episodes sounds good yeah. <laughs> netflix boom boom yeah boom. uh yeah and that, like watching that in between like words 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 and and uh the two the two specials was like really disconcerting because it like because you can see his discomfort in in words 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 at times and you're like okay there's like an inkling of something more serious there and then this show is like but i mean maybe it would i would have seen that in the show if i'd been able to watch the whole thing but it's so like not that and then you you there's the genuine like (laughs) my genuine worry for him (laughs) during during what was like really came out of nowhere (laughs) because i just watched Zach Stone's gonna be famous, <laughs> but it was funny. Like, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, it's funny. There's there's good jokes in there, but yeah. as a show, it doesn't really work the way I wanted it to. So, Kelsey, now that now that you've um sort of taken the crash course on the the world of Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. um, do you have any sort of overall thoughts about the whole? Well, not not series or show, but person, I guess. Oeuvre. <laughs> the old oeuvre, yes. <laughs> um, I thought it was funny for the most part. I think... <laughs> funny until it's not. Until, it's, until I'm, like, reevaluating my personal mental health. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's not... Why did I laugh at that? That's not funny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's comedy that I would seek out on my own, but, like, I enjoyed it. Because um, you, you tend to prefer, and stop me if I'm wrong here, you tend to prefer comedy that's more about, like, making people laugh. Yeah. Than about <laughs> making them sad. Yeah. Interesting. Generally. Interesting. Where do you think that comes from? Um, that peculiar, peculiar preference. I, you know, Jason, I, I just don't know. 
Just, just a personal preference. I mean, I think I think both starting conversations that need to be started, so that's great. Um, but I don't know that I would go to him for laughs. That's that's fair, right? Yeah, I'd love to see him like do something with Rachel Bloom. I think that'd be fun, right? Like I, I made that connection when the uh, he has a video for one of the songs from mm-hmm. what called Repeat Stuff. It's sort of a mm-hmm. about as heavy handed a satire of pop music as you can get, but yeah. it, he pushes it like so far beyond what you think he's gonna do yeah which reminds me of rachel bloom's old youtube video stuff yeah like, like where it was like a lot of pop music parodies but yeah. like it goes to a, a much darker place it does, than you're it expecting. does the joke and then it just keeps doing the joke yes. until it can't be done anymore and it's kind of scary yes <laughs> i don't know if you've heard the rachel bloom song die when i'm young which is basically uh, a straight parody of kesha's die young but uh, about a person who's actually going to die young oh god <laughs> um so I, I love rachel bloom and i'd love like I wish I wish her and Bo could like do something together. I don't Bo know. Bo be on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's acting anymore. I don't think he is. I think he's just doing comedy. Yeah, that comedy, would. Quote I, unquote. I would love to see his character on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, though. What that would be. <laughs> I would love for him to be like the sort of like the Santa Ana Wins guy, in which he's just like a narrator character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where he just is like saying shit that's going <laughs> yeah. on, and it's really bad. <laughs> um, I guess I more want. The two or like them. he's like he's like Rebecca's internal monologue. I guess I more want her, him, and uh, Rachel Bloom to like write a a song together, like an opera together. That would be amazing. <laughs> It'd be called a comic opera. A, a comic opera. It would be called. Did you have it a thing to say called... there? Kelsey probably can't watch this because there's too much relatable. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be ca- called Kelsey, Jason, and Sarah in in a little ball <laughs> on the floor, rocking back and forth. <laughs> to be called. Don't watch it. <laughs> Too too sad. Too, too sad. Being sad. Being sad. The musical. And he seems like a like a, a guy who's just trying really hard and 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 wants to not be trying hard, but I I don't know how to explain his like like he wants to put out a product that is really good, but he almost hates what he has to do to get there. I think you're right. You were saying he kind of gets in these like self-critical thought loops and just goes around and around and around and around. And I think if he could not do that, he would maybe be able to create in a more efficient way. But at the same time, from watching like what and make happy, that's a huge part of his act. <laughs> yeah, that's now like, and that's the thing that I'm sure would like probably does drive him crazy now if he like stops thinking about it, is that now his style involves being critical of his medium Mm -hmm. and so that's now if he he, like produces more work he's gonna have to if he does if if he's not like self-critical in that way Mm -hmm. people will be disappointed by the lack of it Mm -hmm. and so like his critique of the medium just like it's subsumed by the thing itself yeah um and then that's the sort of shit i'm talking about when i say like thought loops yeah like you can't there's some things like where if you think about them in the wrong way you can't or if you just if you just get too close to them and focus on them too much yeah you can't break away yeah i think you know part of what helps like some of that stuff be funny is that like he's a funny person like he's a funny looking person (laughs) He's, like, he's, he's tall. Super tall. He's like six and, foot five. And gangly. He's like Tom Noonan tall. Real boy, tall. I'm, boy, I'm, I'm swooning for Noonan. Nice. <laughs> nice. He's still 
even though he's a 26, 27-year-old dude, I guess he's 26, um, he still, like, kind of looks like a gangly teenager, like, and it's kind of inherently funny when he does stuff with his body. Because a lot of a lot of his act is, is like, physical, too. Yeah. And that's funny, but also maybe detrimental, <laughs> because he might not always look like that. But, yeah. I don't know. He does this whole thing. I think it's in Make Happy that he, like, what is it? Oh, he like jerks off, but not. That, that's in yeah, that's in what in what in what he does yeah. his entire like I was five letting... minute mime routine to, like him <laughs> masturbating. It was hilarious. <laughs> like I think probably the funniest part of it. But then like after it's immediately like one of those moments when I'm concerned for him again. Yes. <laughs> Cause it, it's that moment where he's like, I maybe I shouldn't have done that, <laughs> but it's funny. It's funny. It's very hell. funny. Like I watch him do a whole hour of mime. <laughs> he does a lot of mime and what especially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it was funny, but it's not, not my thing. It's, it's maybe on the edge of like too self-critical for like something that I want to go enjoy. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) Like it would send me into a self-critical thought loop. Yeah. As as I mentioned, when I first saw like Make Happy, it sort of like, I mean, it was, it was, it was not just that, but I sort of like spiraled for a couple of days mentally because like, because of the place that sent me to, which is. Not what you always want in a stand-up special. No. Maybe never what you want in a stand-up special, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I, I get that. I'm just I'm I'm honestly relieved you liked it at all. I was like, I got very like, like concerned when I was putting this playlist together. Like, oh, Kelsey's gonna hate all of this. <laughs> I mean, like, like I said, it's not my thing, but I can see why you like it. And and uh... well, I, mean, I think that's pretty, almost, comically obvious why I like it. Yeah, I think it maybe would have. Like, listening to You Made It Weird was maybe a mistake <laughs> for me. Because yes. it sent me into, like, a big angry rant spiral. But mostly about Pete Holmes and not about Bo Burnham. Sorry, I really didn't think you'd listen to that. I, I threw, sort of just threw it on there <sighs> to explain my own background. I've done this on a Tuesday when I have nothing to listen to at work. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but, no, I actually, it was good because it gave me, like, a sort of more in-depth look at, at what you were talking about. Yeah, okay. like like I said, I'm not gonna go seek it out, but like, I definitely watch all of his stand up specials again, but not necessarily to laugh. I don't know. I thought <laughs> what was pretty funny, other than the moments where I'm like, "Wow, he," I'm worried about him. Like, I thought it was pretty funny. I think get happy. Sorry, make. I think I think make happy is funny it has, until the end where it just it becomes sad. Yeah, and it it kind of devolves into like a rant at the end, like. I don't know, like, he, well, he seems to be angry and sad, and he's not necessarily taking it out on anyone, but it, it feels like he's angry at the audience. Well, that's something, like, that's, the, like, one of the few, like, things I really wanted you to get from the Pete Holmes podcast yeah. with him, where he talks about how, like, he wanted to make, he, he has a co-directing credit on Make Happy, and he mm-hmm. wanted to sort of communicate, like, the way it feels for him on stage. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of the audience, where the audience he succeeded, where the audience is like this big, like faceless, dark mass of people Mm -hmm. staring at him, and he sort of is trying to communicate in that last like rant slash song of like Mm -hmm. what it feels like to have an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it was bad. Yeah, like I had I like paused it and had to step away for a little bit before that last like yeah it was bad. Anyway, but it's also got a funny joke about Chipotle. 
It does have a funny joke about Chipotle. And the the, the nearness of the, the humor and the, like, the raw soul-bearing sadness is, like, so unique. And I think that's part of what, like, elevates the special And I think me. that, like, that, that joke about Chipotle, like, it's so real, though, because if I'm having, like, a really bad day and I go to Chipotle because Chipotle is one of my, like, many comfort foods in New York City, like, and then, like, my burrito is, like, overflowing because they just didn't make it correctly and it just it it upsets me more and sends me into a spiral and i think bo gets that oh, i've definitely cried at a bad burrito before fuck yeah because you're like you're like my day is so bad and i just wanted one thing that was it's good one thing that was good and now you i wouldn't have got the lettuce if i knew it wouldn't fit uh. Uh. so kelsey mm-hmm. um i'm gonna serve this up like a like a real soft pitch to you real <laughs> quick if say you had something that in some way connected to this uh, subject we were discussing mm-hmm. that you wanted to recommend to me or the listeners. Mm-hmm. And if, say, hypothetically, we'd already talked about it, <laughs> that might be even better. Yeah. What would you recommend? Um, I think everyone should watch Chewing Gum on... Uh, it's on Netflix. It's, Interesting. But not, it's a, not where I thought you would go with that. Um, Interesting. But it's um, a British show that Netflix has co-opted, um, as they do. Um, and it's, it's just a really, it's, I think I drew the parallels to Zack Stone is going to be famous, like, if, if Zack Stone is going to be famous for a shorter, and, and it, but it does a similar thing, and it, it um, explores the, the life of, of someone in, in, I think, a, a very real, but also very funny way. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, musical comedy acts. That's okay. What? That I would recommend, but. What is the sort of general premise of chewing gum um basically soup girl who's very super christian decides to lose her virginity and you know she, like her she lives in a an estate like a like a project housing project and it's about the people who live there and and how she tried to go about that and her how she decides to go about that and her job and her okay. life before we go i should mention i was on an episode of i've made a huge mistake which is a podcast about arrested development uh, hosted by my internet friend, Darren. And I was on the episode discussing the season three episode, Fake In It. And it's an interesting development recap podcast. And it's very funny. Um, the show. I mean, the show and, and the show. <laughs> Both shows. I mean, Arrested Development is, is proven funny. Oh, I love so Arrested you, Development. So you really just have to prove to the people that I've made a huge mistake is funny. Yeah. So if you like me or just like my words or my voice... If that's like your thing, I guess check it out. It's good though. Yeah. I was on an episode back in I was on an episode back in August or September. Yeah. And I recorded that when we were like doing preliminary stuff for this show. Yeah. And so I plugged it on that show. Yeah. And by the time that episode was released, I had did, we actually had not gotten anything live yet. Yeah. So I was I was I was very proud to actually sort of be able to recommend like to plug plug, to plug this plug show legitimately. That yes. 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 <laughs> Thank you again for for putting word to the thought I have. You're welcome. Thank you. That's why I'm here. Special thanks, as always, to Dania Bowd of the Weeping Willards for use of their song, Outside in the Rain. And special thanks to Carly Sussman, also, as always, for designing our logo. Extra special thanks to Carly Rae Jepsen. For being Carly Rae Jepsen. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> oh, and we've never said this before but sarah mentioned we probably should uh if you <laughs> she's the executive producer we have to listen sarah to her. is officially the executive producer that's true uh we if you want to 
rate or review us on itunes that would be that'd be great super awesome i mean you don't even need to do like i mean if you want to do a full review that's fantastic i mean like one or two sentences that's great but even if you just want to like drop by and like click that five star button that's great too like we'll take whatever we'll take whatever tell tell your friends about us like we're doing bar mitzvahs sure why not we play we play corporate events Please rate and review. We would love it. It'd be really nice. Thanks. It would be nice. Thank you. <laughs> if you're not going to do it for me, and I don't know why you would, do it for Kelsey. Yeah, I'm nice. I promise. Most <laughs> of the time. Uh, for Ruin My Life, I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. <laughs> Just hear those sleigh bells ringling, ring ding, dingling, do ding, go, jing, come on. And it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up only I can mention me Only I can mention me Only I can mention me This is the podcast <laughs> Where we talk about a friendship And comedy <laughs> And sadness And being sad Cause being sad is what friendship Friendship is all about Being sad together being sad is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> being sad. That should have been the name of our podcast. Being sad together. Being, being sad with Jason and Kelsey. <laughs>